All right, together with me, a song of ascents. When Adam and I will return the captivity of Zion, we will be like dreamers. Then our mouth will be filled with laughter and our tongue with glad song. Then they will declare among the nations, Adonai has done greatly with these, Adonai has done greatly with us. We were glad. O Adonai, return our captivity like springs in the desert. Those who tearfully sow will reap in glad song. He who bears the measure of seeds will also long reaping, overturn and exaltation bearer of seeds. May my mouth declare the praise of Adonai, and may all flesh bless his holy name forever. We will let us out from this time and forever. Hallelujah. Give thanks to Adonai, for he is good, as his kindness endures forever. Who can express the mighty acts of Adonai? Who can declare all his grace? Behold, I am prepared and ready to perform the positive commandment of your cut on his own. For it is said, and you shall eat, and you shall be satisfied, and you shall bless Adonai your God for the good land which he gave you. Gentlemen, let us bless. Blessed be the name of Adonai from this time and forever. Blessed be the name of Adonai from this time and forever. With the permission of the distinguished people present, let us bless our God, he of whose we have eaten. Blessed is our God, he of whose we have eaten, and through whose goodness we live. Blessed is our God, he of whose we have eaten, and through whose goodness we live. I'm louder than you. <laughs> blessed is you, blessed is his name. Together, blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who nourishes the entire world in his goodness, with grace and kindness and mercy. He gives nourishment to all flesh, for his kindness is eternal. And through his great goodness we have never lacked, and may we never lack nourishment for all eternity. For the sake of his great name, because he is God who nourishes and sustains all, and benefits all, and he prepares food for all his creatures that he has created. As it is said, you will open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Blessed are you, Adonai, who nourishes all. We thank you, Adonai, our God, because you have given to our forefathers as a heritage a desirable, good, and spacious land. Because you removed us, Adonai, our God, from the land of Egypt, and you redeemed us from the house of bondage. For your covenant that you sealed in our flesh, for your Torah that you taught us, and for your statutes that you made known to us, for life, grace, and loving kindness that you granted us, and for the provision of food with which you nourish and sustain us constantly in every day, in every season, and in every hour. Turn the page, top of 17, together. For all that an iron God, we thank you and bless you. May your name be blessed by the mouth of all the living continuously for all eternity. As it is written, and you shall eat, and you shall be satisfied, and you shall bless that and I your God for the good land he gave you. Blessed are you, Adonai, for the land and for the nourishment. Have mercy, we beg you, Adonai, our God, on Israel, your people, on Jerusalem, your city, on Zion, the resting place of your glory, on the monarchy of the house of David, your anointed, and on the great and holy house upon which your name is called. Our God, our Father, tend us, nourish us, sustain us, support us, relieve us. Adonai, our God, grant us speedy relief from all our troubles. Please make us not needful, Adonai, our God, of the gifts of human hands, nor of their loans, but only of your hand that is full, open, holy, and generous, that we may not feel inner shame nor be humiliated forever and ever. First paragraph in the pink. May it please you, Adonai, our God, give us rest through your commandments and through the commandment of the seventh day, this great and holy Sabbath. For this day is great and holy before you, to rest on it and to be content on it in love. 
as ordained by your will. May it be your will, Adonai, our God, that there be no distress, grief, or lament on this day of contentment, and show us, Adonai, our God, the consolation of Zion, your city, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the city of your holiness. For you are the master of salvation, master of consolation. Before we go on, does everyone understand how he will provide consolation to Zion? Sending his son, Messiah Yeshua. Amen. At the bottom of the page. Rebuild Jerusalem, the holy city, soon in our days. Blessed are you, Adonai, who rebuilds Jerusalem in his mercy. Amen. Top of page 19. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, the Almighty, our Father, our King, our Sovereign, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Maker, our Holy One, Holy One of Jacob, our Shepherd, the Shepherd of Israel, the King who is good and who does good for all. For every single day he did good, he does good, and he will do good to us. He was bountiful with us, he is bountiful with us, and he will forever be bountiful with us. With grace and with kindness and with mercy, with relief, salvation, success, blessing, health, consolation, sustenance, support, mercy, life, peace, and all good, and all, all good things may he never deprive us. Wow! Is he providing for us or what? Johnny, would you give us the compassionate one? The compassionate one. May, May he, he reign over us forever. forever. The compassionate one. May he be blessed in heaven and on earth. The compassionate one. May he be praised throughout all generations. May he be glorified through us forever to the ultimate ends and be honored through us forever and for all eternity. The compassionate one. May he sustain us in honor. The compassionate one. May he break the yoke of oppression from our necks and guide us direct to our land. The compassionate one. May he send us abundant blessing to this house and upon this table at which we have eaten. May he send us Elijah the prophet. He is remembered for good to proclaim to us good tidings, salvations, and consolations. You all get the picture. May it be God's will that this host not be ashamed or humiliated in this world or in the world to come. May, May he be successful in all his dealings. May his dealings be successful and conveniently close to hand. May no evil impediment reign over his handiwork. And may no semblance of sin or iniquitous thought attach itself to him from this time and forever. From your mouth to God's ears. Amen. <laughs> May he bless May he bless me, my wife, and my children, and all that is mine. Together, ours and all that is ours, just as our forefathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were blessed in everything, from everything, with everything. So may he bless us all together with a perfect blessing, and let us say, Amen. Top of page 21, together. On high, may merit be pleaded upon them and upon us for a safeguard of peace. May we receive a blessing from Adonai and just kindness from the God of our salvation and find favor and the understanding of the minds of God and man. Are there anyone that wants to volunteer for the brief? No. <laughs> just, just check. Just check. Uh, on the Sabbath in pink. The compassionate one. May he cause us to inherit the day that will be completely a Sabbath and a rest day for eternal life. Down below. The compassionate one. May he make us worthy of the days of Messiah Yeshua and the life of the world to come. He who is a tower of salvation to his king and does kindness for his anointed to David and to his descendants forever. He who makes peace in his sights, may he make peace upon us and upon all Israel. Now respond. Amen.
Fear Adonai, you, his holy ones, for there is no deprivation for his reverent ones. Young lions may want and hunger, but those who seek Adonai will not act like any good. Give thanks to Adonai, for he is good. His kindness endures forever. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Blessed is the man who trusted Adonai, that Adonai will be his security. I was a youth and all of age, and I have not seen a righteous man forsaken me, with his children begging for bread. Adam and I will give might to his people. Adam and I will bless his people with peace. Amen. If you'll pass these back to Greg. Today is the 20th of ER. It is the 35th day of the Omer. And it is the portion Amor, which means to say. So we've got... Um, no, they, just a, you just leave right here. There's three cases right there. Eight go in each one. But you don't have to do it now. They're on top of the um, we have We have guests. Jennifer Smith was on... Uh, I've been telling people six years. Was on a tour of Israel with First Fruits of Zion. And, um, and Alan and I, we think, five or six years ago. Couldn't have been less. I don't think it could have been 2007, so that's five years. Okay. Um, she goes to Tim Haig's congregation on the other side of the planet. Uh, with her are Carly and Katie Hennigan. Um, this picture, which is one of several that I have, and all of the Hanukkah cards that I that I buy every year are from Carly. She's the one that does the photography. So, um, Thank you for Tim Haig uh, introducing us to her, her work. Um, a quick update on my wife. She's stoned and uh, is, uh, is taking happy pills and is, uh, I think, beyond the really, 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 really bad uh, pain of the first three or four days. So we're excited about that. And um, she had Arab Shabbat meal with us at that table last night with uh, Greg and Morgan, Mary, and Sophia. And uh, I appreciate your prayers. And uh, she is uh, sorry she can't be out here with you now. Um, the kids are in uh, Paducah, Kentucky with the Hackett's. And I would imagine this afternoon we'll be listening to uh, you guys not being there because they, they get the podcast thing and watch and listen uh, to you guys when you're there. And now we'll watch for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know the Hackett's too. Okay, so great. So they're with the Hackett's now. So that's uh, that's the deal there. That's a small, messy world. It really is. Unbelievable. <laughs> it is. It, but it does take a while to drive here. And I, I don't think we've had anybody drive quite this far. We've had somebody drive from Texas. Michigan. Texas, but never from Seattle. I mean, it's, it's, that's a haul. That's a haul. Hawaii. Hawaii. But you didn't, but you didn't drive. <laughs> you drive from Hawaii? Well, I drove from San Diego. Well, that is for you. That's cool. Are you staying? Uh, yeah. Praise God. That's good. Well, then you're going to get the, the medal for going the furthest. That's great. All right. Um, uh, as our habit has been over the past several weeks, uh, we're going to start in the apostolic writings. Uh, we'll actually read that uh, for those of you who decided to sleep in and not pray with us this morning. <laughs> little Shabbos ding. We are in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, and we'll pick up in verse 12. 
if you need uh, if you need some apostolic writings, I'm sure there's some on that uh, on that shelf somewhere there. I hereby join, we hereby join ourselves to the Master Yeshua, the Messiah, the Righteous One, who is the bread of life and the true light, the source of eternal salvation for all those who hear Him. Like a branch that remains in a vine, so me, may we remain in Him, just as He also remains in the Father and the Father in Him, in order that they may remain in us. May the grace of the Master Yeshua, the Messiah, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abound to us. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engage in the words of the Torah. O Lord, our God, we ask that you make the words of your Torah sweet in our mouths and in the mouths of your entire people, the house of Israel. May we, our descendants and the descendants of your people, the house of Israel, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, O Lord, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gives the Torah. Amen. And uh, Luke chapter 14. And realize there were not many chapters. Picking up in verse 12. He also said to the man who had invited him, If you make a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends and brothers and relatives and rich neighbors, or else they may invite you too, and you'll be paid back. But if you make a banquet, invite the poor and the oppressed and the lame and the blind. Oh, your gladness when they have no way to repay you, for it will be repaid to you at the resurrection of the righteous. One of those reclining heard this word and said to him, Oh, the gladness of one who eats bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A certain man made a large meal and invited many people. He sent his servant at the time of the meal to those invited, saying, Come, for it is all ready. All of them began to extricate themselves at once. The first said to him, I've purchased a field. Should I not go out to see it? I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I've purchased five yoke of cattle, and I'm going to inspect them. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I've taken a wife, and on account of this fact, I am unable to come. The servant came and told those things to his master, and the owner of the house became furious. He said to his servant, Quick, go out to the town squares and streets and bring here the poor, the oppressed, the blind, and the lame. The servant said, My master, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. The master said to the servant, Go out to the roads and pastors and urge them to come, so that my house may be filled. For I say to you, not one of those invited shall taste my meal. All right. Uh, that's the uh, reading from Flame Foundation to match up with Amor, and uh, a reading from Ezekiel something. 44. So, um, what did we read in Leviticus this week that would cause Flame Foundation to, uh, to pick this particular passage? I, I was thinking two things. Two things. I'm ready. One was about the... the the different um, people who could eat of it but not go into the tent, the, the offering, the food right, offering, right. and the if if who can still eat of it as long as he's in his father's household or she is in her his father her father's household. Yeah, that was one thing that was sort of a so going back to that. So as I recall from the portion, if you're lame, you got one leg shorter than the other. If you've had a little problem, physical disqualifiers, physical disqualifiers, <laughs> blind. Moist uh, scabs, 
dry scans, you know, eyebrows too, eyebrows too long. Yeah, that was, that's a biggie for me. Yeah. Uh, or what was the other one there between the eyebrows? You couldn't. Uh, nose, no, nose with no bridge, which really is that really a nose? I, yeah. How do you keep your glasses on? You know, it's a nose. Yeah. So uh, all of these things, but it looks like. These are the people that he's going to invite because the intended invitees don't want to come. They've got something more important to do. That's good. So I like that. Good power. What's your second? Well, the other thing that I was thinking of is how we could do this in our own lives. And then in Leviticus 23, we have all of these festivals and holidays where we get together with a ton of people. And I think it does kind of go back to what our intended guest list should probably be. Okay. Just some it, that, to encourage us to not be selective in our guest list for the festivals that we celebrate in Leviticus 23. Okay. Okay. I think that's a stretch. I don't disagree, but I think it's a stretch. So before we go there, um, we'll come back to that. Remind me to come back, because I want to come back and talk about the yes, sir. I think one connection, too, is Leviticus 23, verse 22, talking about when you glean your fields, leave some corners for the poor, right? So this connection to a provision for the poor mm -hmm. down and out mm -hmm. for those that are uh, less able, perhaps. Or less fortunate. Right, exactly. Good, good. What's the whole idea of Leviticus 23? It's a unique chapter in the Bible. Why is it unique? If you don't talk, I'll call on you. It's okay. No, no pressure. <laughs> You've got them all. So we start with Shabbat, and then we walk through the calendar. What's the overriding three theme in Leviticus 23? It's a holy convocation. It's a holy convocation, and... No work. No work. And we're going to do this for how long? For all eternity. Okay. Throughout your generation. So, so God's pulled out his appointment book, and has penciled in, in blood, that he's going to meet with his people at these times. I think that's why they brought this one. That there's an appointment that we're supposed to be at, and these people are making excuses. I can't make it. I, I've, got, I've got worldly things that I need to take care of. Some of them are pretty good things, too. And I'm supposed to provide for my family. And I've, I've bought some real estate. I've got some land. I need to go check it out, see if it's parking. I can bill, you know, all that. Or, oh, I just got married. I just got married. I mean, it's a mitzvah, right? I just got married. I, mean, I just got the wife. You know. So we've got all these excuses for not doing these. So based on that, what do you learn from the master's parable here? I kind of see it as more of a, par a parallel to your daily life, where if you have work to be done, or you have a family to take care of, or that you need to help with, and you're making all these excuses for why you don't pray, or don't study, or don't do the things that you're commanded to do, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, I, I don't have time for that, so I'm just going to, I'll skip over that today. That does seem to be a, a big thing in the world today. I, I hope it's not in, in the Torah communities, but it is a big thing in the world. They just deadbeat dads, people that just won't work, can't work, don't work, whatever the case might be. But I, I'm, I'm talking to the community now. You know, I, when we get together to pray, I think we should be here to pray. When it's Shabbat, it's Shabbat. And when those festivals come up, you got to work. You, you're busy. How can you be busy? These are the times when we are supposed to get together as a community. These are the times when God wants to be with us. 
Um, how many of you have in your translation that uh, in Leviticus that these are Jewish feasts? Nobody? Nobody? Nobody's got Jewish feasts? One could say that it always mentions speak to the children of Israel. Yeah. yeah. To the Israelites. Of course, that's who was there, right? I mean, it was his people that he's talking to. But they're really not Jewish feasts. They're biblical feasts. But more specifically, they're gods, right? So the, the Moedim, the appointed times, really is what it is. So that's good. All right, so so back to what, what was this? this, this, this? Was, I, that, I just started thinking about that because this is it, it. Kind of makes me think about how oh, you, you know you don't. I don't think I'll automatically when I'm inviting people like oh it's so and so he doesn't get out that much because he's in a wheelchair or mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. or you know I but but I think we should be and I think it's more work to do that isn't it? It is more work to do that absolutely and I was just saying that we have a list of times that we are commanded to get together and commanded to be with other people so we should we should take this advice and maybe invite and kind of demonstrate love to the lesser people and the, the people who are poor people who are lame yeah just that list would, would you would you think it a spiritualization of the text if I were to invite the poor in spirit no, I mean, that's what Yeshua said. I came not for the rich, not for the healthy, but to the weak, to the sick, because they, they're the ones that need the doctor. They're the ones that need. Right. So if I'm, if I'm walking out my faith, and now my faith is visible, now that I keep the Torah, and it's something I do, and people can see and go, that's a weird guy. Maybe, God willing and by His grace, they're going to see, wow, you've got this wise God who gave you these really cool commandments. I want to know Him. That's scriptural. That should happen, right? Or the Jew should be jealous because of my faith. But the guy next door is not going to know what my Arab Shabbat table's like unless I invite the guy next door into the house. I've got to invite him. And quite frankly, I don't want to. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's awkward. And it's weird. And... You know, or on the other side. I mean, they're really nice people, but they got those two little kids that run all over the place. And, you know, do I really want to really have them inside? And is it really going to be the kind of Arab Shabbat that I want to have? Well, what, what I think is, you know, there's probably nothing in this passage for you to learn. It's all for me, right? And I need to get my act together and recognize that if he truly is my God and he truly does care about all of these and opens up his house for them, hey, maybe I should change my behavior. Your mileage my may vary. And I would add, I think the, the, the definition or a, a, a characteristic of a um, tzaddik is one who will open his home, not not just to receive other tzaddikim. So in other words, if... if since my dad is a very righteous man and a tzaddik, if he invites another tzaddik and his family, there should be an understanding that, well, uh, they, 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 they normally invite people into their own home as well, just like I do, so maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a, 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 a team-up type you know, squadron of, of Friday night houses, if you will, so yeah. the, the idea is not to just associate with other men and, and, uh, and the higher echelons of the community, mm-hmm. but that each Zadik in the community is supposed to invite those 
that are you know that are newer that are still yes, still in, in the process and learning. We're, it's, you know, it's not to say we're not all in the process. We're not all learning, but yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. That's because that's how it works, right? Um, we just read that in the per K vote that. You know, we, we need to find a, a master or a teacher and a friend and somebody else that you can, yeah. right, right? So it's, it's the whole deal. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Other comments on uh, on this particular passage? What does it remind you of? Well, before you ask yeah, that, yeah. Um, shows the relationship of the guest to the master. You know, are they willing to leave the field, leave this, and go to the feast, regardless of when it is? Precisely. Yeah. yeah. If there's if there's an expectation, and the guys, he's upset because there is an expectation, and they're just not they're not showing. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if God feels that way when the vast majority of the body of Messiah just blows off the days because they don't even they don't even recognize you know it is Pesach or it is Shavuot or it is you know whatever um, I wonder if he if he does get mad certainly the partial hardening that happened to Israel was for our sake as Gentiles right so um, maybe he's temporarily offered uh, us and that's that's a cool deal um, what what passage does this remind you of in the Nevi'im and the prophets Come on. Ezekiel 44. Ezekiel 44. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm thinking about Isaiah. I'm thinking about Gentiles and eunuchs. I mean, since we mentioned the testicle thing, right? Gentiles and eunuchs have a passage in common. What is it? Shabbat. Is it 56 or 58? 56. I think it's 56. Shabbat. Is it 58? 58 is Shabbat. 58 is Shabbat. Oh, we always mess it up. So let's, let's just turn to it, shall we? Let's, let's all find it. We're, we're, no, we're in the mid-Isaiah chapters here. Yeah, it's 56. For to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose to what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and name better than sons and daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And um, did you where did you start there? Uh, Fifty-six four. Yeah, so in three. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord. That's us, guys. Say the Lord will surely separate me from his people, and let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. Well, why would the eunuch be saying anything like this? Because of the passage we just read. Exactly. He's not allowed to draw near. He can't come in. So you've got the, uh, the eunuchs who keep the Sabbath. In verse 6, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, and for, and for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, as Jonathan said, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Uh, personally, I think that's what he's talking about. Right. So we're going we're gonna to gather in the guys that don't seem to qualify uh, because he is gracious and pours out his grace. Anything else in there before we uh, jump down to Leviticus or to Ezekiel? I saw sort of a common theme of tzedakah in all three mm. 
because that outreach to the widow, the orphan, the mm -hmm. underprivileged, and those in, in, in need of God's grace and blessing, you know, it's to, to, to us that, that much has been given so that we can be that blessing to mm -hmm. others. Be a conduit. Yeah, so be a conduit. There's that common theme of that tzedakah in all three of the passages Good. as well. And that tzedakah to the orphan and to the widow is defined as true religion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yaakov. Yaakov. Yeah. Exactly right. Okay, Ezekiel, where were we? At 44, you said? Starting at 15, I think. Yes. Fifteen, uh, I mean forty-four, twenty-four. In a dispute, they shall act as judges. They shall judge it, it according to my judgments. They shall keep my laws, my statutes, in all my appointed feasts, and they shall keep my sabbaths holy. So, these that are um, maintaining that Levitical priesthood and, and not being defiled and stepping up. And being obedient, it really comes down to obedience throughout. Um, we need to, we just need to be obedient. Mm -hmm. Twenty-five follows exactly the Levitical law about um, not making your contaminating yourself. That's right. That's right. And that whole seven-day deal. Hey, I did have a question. Um, is it in, in the Haftorah where it says that uh, that the Kohanim shall not? Uh, Shave their heads or, or let them grow excessively. That's something to that. 20? Wild growth. 20, yes. Their, their, their heads they may not shear nor a wild growth. Let their, or let their locks grow. Long. They shall keep their heads trimmed. Now, how does that work? Locks. Right. No, no Rastafarian funny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But how does that work with Yohanan Hamakriel? If he has taken a Nazarite vow, um, either, I mean, it's pretty clear, he can't be serving. So is it just when. During his time of service, he's he's got to keep his head trimmed, uh, and then for the rest of the year, so it's basically about a month and a week where he, he has to he has to be trimmed. Uh, it's my understanding, not from the from this passage, but back in the Torah, that yeah, that's exactly it. Their their uh, care and concern for their appearance when they're serving is crucial. In the next verse that you stopped at, they can't drink while they're in there, so. Um, yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, it, it sort of uh, makes you wonder uh, if uh, John Yochanan, who was a priest, served and then told all of them, I'm heading out to the desert, right. and then took his vow and started growing all the time. All that... It also begs the question: If you were, if you were a Kohanim like Yachnan and had taken a Nazarite vow, could you serve? But you had not completed your vow yet. Yeah, either you didn't serve, or you or were forced. To was there an exception for somebody who had making who had taken a Nazarite vow? Mm -hmm. In other words, because it was a vow to God, sure, yeah. and that was the reason for the growth. Right, right, right. That was all permitted, perhaps. I don't, yeah. I don't want the answer, but yeah. But, but you could see where they would come up with right. an out. I mean, they they had already come up with the out by the time of the Master's Day. That you know, oh, no, no, I can't, I can't help you, Mom, because uh, you know this is all given to God. You know, it's, you know what can I do? Yeah. How do we know that John wasn't Nazarite? 
Joseph? His mother was told. Uh-huh. He was a Nazarite from birth. He was a Nazarite from birth. He wasn't allowed to touch the fruit of the vine at all. Really? Okay, I've not read that. How about that? Which is why in all the gospel movies he looks just weird. Yeah. He looks like Elijah, right? (laughs) Which, if you think about it, is pretty cool. Because he is. Because he is. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, he was Nazarite from birth. Had uh, only two, right? Samson, Shimshon, and Yochanan, Hamakbil. Or John the Jew, as my wife likes to call him, (laughs) especially to her Baptist and Presbyterian friends. (laughs) All right. Let's, um, let's, <laughs> yeah, she's a troublemaker. God bless her. Let's go down to uh, Leviticus 23 real quick, if we could. I remember uh, listening to Tim Haig, and, and you know, we, I, I always make it a point to make it clear that you can, you can listen to Tim or you can watch the video of Tim. To listen to Tim while you're watching him, but you know, while watching him, you can just listen to him. But uh, just a, a brainy guy, love him to death. But um, I heard him go off once on how many feasts there are and, and how you can get different numbers depending on how you count. So, how would you get seven feasts? You miss the Shabbat and you just count the four spring and the three, uh, the, the, the three fall feasts, right? How would you get three? The right? Right, the three pilgrimage feasts. Where would I find those described, if not in Leviticus 23? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 16. Good. Under verse 9. They're numbers 9. Oh, numbers 9. Now, I don't think numbers 9 has... Uh, does that have all of them? All three of them? I thought Deuteronomy 16 was the only spot. But hey, that's fine. So, three. We've got... Okay, so... Pesach or unleavened bread, unleavened bread, because we know in, by the time of the, the writing of the Gospels, by the, by the time of the Master's Day, when you said Pesach, you're talking about the whole week, not not the point in time Pesach when the offering was made or when you ate the meal or the seder, but you're talking about the whole deal, the Pesach of the Jews, as it was called. So yes, we've got Pesach, and then some Shavuot, seven weeks, and and, uh, and a day later you've got Shavuot, which is coming up a week from tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Twenty-six and twenty-six. Two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, because this is the fifth. This is the thirty-fifth. Yes, that's right. So this is the fifth week. Um, and then the final one. So we got right. So we get seven, one, and eight. All right, or you could say seven. So, so we got seven feasts. I get three feasts. How do I get eight? Shabbat. Shabbat. Shabbat, which I believe if you can't keep Shabbat, if you don't know what Shabbat is, if you don't know the rest and understand the rest we have physically as a portent of the days of Messiah, you don't understand Messiah, you don't understand Shabbat, you can't possibly participate and enjoy and keep these <coughs> these feasts. So that's eight. How would you get nine? Four. Purim. Yeah. Hanukkah. Yeah. Yeah. I, could, I could do the nine. I believe Purim and Hanukkah out of it. Yeah. For sure. yeah. The new moon, Rosh Kodesh. Sure, we could we could put that in. That's good. That's nine. How would you get ten? Well, that's part so of we counted that in the same. Part of the seven. So how would you get ten? Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah. Right at the end of Sukkot. Right. 
uh, or uh, Shemini Atzeret, right? So, I mean, you've got, it's just to, to understand. So where, where does the year begin? <laughs> civil or religious civil or religious calendar she said there's two, there's two. There's he said there's two he says there's four. four I say there's a lot more than four there's at least the four but what are we talking about we've got the new year when name one just right one Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah name another one that, uh, like one just passed yes. yeah. okay so that's this will be the beginning of months for you right right but there's another one right we got the new year for trees. trees. We got the new year for for uh, cattle. No, no uh, fruits. Fruits, right? We've got we've got we got all kinds of New Years, and there's there's all like uh, approaching Rosh Hashanah, and we, we've got those, and and then you've got uh, the sabbatical year that comes in, and that throws everything off. So I mean, we got all kinds of times, but what is it we're talking about now? What, what, what is this we're talking about? Generically. Calendars. Whose? God's. Bingo. That's the key. And it's not based on the sun, but it's based on the moon. moon. And it's kept in sync with the sun. Okay. So what do you do for for Rosh Kodesh? Today's the 22nd of the yard. That's a trick question. So what do you do? Don't say blow the shofar. Do you blow the shofar? <laughs> can you blow the shofar? Absolutely. We can blow the shofar right now, right? <laughs> we could blow the shofar. Can you blow the shofar on Shabbat? Is that one of the 39 Malachar? I think you could do it. Okay. Absolutely. What, what do you do? You can't do it. It's not one of the 39 Malachar. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't. It's, it's a traditional. Traditionally, you can't. Traditionally, you can't blow the shofar. Right? Okay. So what do you do for Rosh Kodesh? Celebrate. On Rosh Kodesh, do you can you see you know the big full moon? No, no, can you see sliver. just a sliver, right? Because the, the the month has just begun. Is that Kiddush Lavana? When do we do Kiddush Lavana? When do we sanctify the moon? After. Shabbat after. The Shabbat after. So you can see it, right? Okay. So we're supposed to remember it. What, 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 you know, my faith is now based on what I do, not what I talk about. Hey, happy new moon. <laughs> but that doesn't get it. What do you do? Well, but it's interesting because historically during the temple times, it was another occasion yeah. to throw a party. <laughs> so it was a it was a festive time. It was an event. It was an event, and there was a meal and whatnot. Well, take take uh, people. Samuel chapter is it uh, where. Jonathan and David. Yeah, right. And the whole thing. He's see, where's where's David? He's not at the feast. They had a, a seat for him. Two days. He's not here. That's it. Okay. Yeah, because David was concerned. And I can't. I can't not show. He's going to know that I'm not there because it's the new moon. So this demonstrates. There's. There is a way to calculate it, and it's okay to calculate it because it was calculated on our timeline from us, Rashi, Yeshua, King David, Abraham. By this time, they were already calculating what it would be. Okay? I think you'll learn that from Tim, too. It's just it's amazing. <laughs> All right. Anything else on the portion? When, when, while we were in Leviticus 23, yes. I just wanted to make sure I understood this correctly. Because when we were talking about when to count, when to begin the count of the Omer, yes. <laughs> you have the, the two, I guess the two options were three. Oh, there's three there were three, if not four or five, in the days of the master. So, what's what's the one we're doing now? The one we're doing now is the Shabbat, the seventh, or um, the, after the first Shabbat of Pesach, the, the first 
Yom Kippur. The very first day of unleavened bread is a Shabbat. Right. The second day, the day after the Shabbat, is called first fruits. First fruits. Yeah. That's, that's the first day of the Omer. Right. Okay. So well, we count, and that means that we will always have Shavuot on Sunday. Six Sivan. It won't always be a, uh, a Sunday. But doesn't it say No. That's what we're getting into. The different ways you can count. <laughs> it will always be the sixth of Sivan. If you reckon it from the 16th. If you reckon it from the 16th of Nisan, it will always be Sivan 6. What is tomorrow's date two weeks from now? Sivan 6. It will always be that way. Now, the first couple of years we did this, I I think I told this two weeks ago, um, I just couldn't believe that that could be the case. He gives you the date, 14 Nisan. He gives you the date. If Shavuot's going to be always on 6 Sivan, why doesn't he give me the date? Why do we got to count? I know what it is. It's Sivan 6. So what's the other way? What's the second way to count? Well, that's what I'm wondering about now because... Of course, you you can read it every year and get a different way. What's the second way? Well, the second way is to to interpret the morrow after the Sabbath as being the morrow after the weekly Sabbath. Exactly. It will always be a Sunday. Because it always... Your counting would start on Sunday, and therefore 50 days later, you would end on Sunday. Shavuot would always fall on a Sunday, which is more is. And that... That phrase right there, on the Sabbath, on the day after the Sabbath, because of the definite article, people think, well, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath. Well, we know what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is the seventh day. And Pesach's a week long, so you're always going to have Shabbat. Always. So therefore, Shabbat will always be on a Sunday. Now, isn't it interesting that this year, and some would say in the years of the Master, or in the year of the Master, it was like this year. No matter how you count it, you'd come out on Sunday. There's a third way, the way the Essenes counted. We just went through the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What's the way the Essenes counted? The morrow after the first Sabbath, after the festival. Exactly. They're like a week later. They're always a week late. So they've, they've got the week of Passover, and they wait until the Sabbath, that's a regular Sabbath, that's not part of a festival, and then start counting. So they too will always be on a Sunday, but they'll always be a week late. Well, because I, I mean, when you read further along, it's talking about the same. I mean, we're talking about shop, um, the counting and everything. And yes. Then after it talks about waving the sheaf, which begins the count and all that, then it says, "You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statue forever." Blah, blah, blah. So it's like you're you're not supposed to eat anything leavened or any of these grains until the day that you bring the offering. Yes. And the day that you bring the offering is when you count the omer. That's the first day of the so omer. So why would that start during the Feast of Unleavened Bread? You're exactly right. Why would that start that way? <laughs> I've argued it back and forth. Well, and I think if we want... Just to, again, argue and support, support how we're doing it now, it's interesting yes. when you read a little further, it talks about bringing the two loaves and they shall be fine flour baked with leaven, so it commands you to bake it with leaven, and then it says, these are the first fruits of the Lord, which means right now we're, we're actually starting on first fruits because of the way that we're counting the other Well, there's, there's a big argument of late in, in Torah communities about whether or not there is a first fruits on that, that second day of Pesach, but that's a different story. The answer, by the way, we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 5 in a second, so if you want to start flipping now, you can. So picking up on this, and, and my my understanding is 
today. There's there's two first fruit. There's a first fruit offering of the barley harvest, which is what happens during the week of on the, on the, on the 16th. On the 16th, right. Then there is the first fruits of the wheat harvest, which is what this is referring to, which happens at Shavuot. So you have two first fruits because you have two different harvests. One is a Shabbat, one is not. The first one is not, the second one is. Right. So, but what's interesting to me in this passage is what you just read, where where it says, um, uh, I just lost myself, uh, where it says that you bring two, the two loaves, uh, hold on a second, I lost my place. Um, That's because you flicked your finger while you were talking. Yes. You, you could be where three it chapters talk, it talks, There, here we go. Verse 17. You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread. So this is now talking, describing Shavuot. Shavuot, right? exactly. Two loaves of bread for a wave offering made of two tenths of ephah. They shall be of fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits of Adonai, right? What jumps out at me, this jumped out at me the first time last year. And I was like, wait a minute. So we bring we bring a meal offering, a grain offering as it were, but we bring it in the form of baked loaves with leaven. And these are wheat loaves, because this is the wheat first fruits of the wheat harvest. And what's jumped out at me about that is the fact that, to my knowledge, no other meal offering that's ever brought into the temple is leaven. Has leaven. It's always unleavened. Yeah, you make a cake. This is the only time where we're commanded to bring leaven, chametz, into the temple and wave it before Hashem. What strikes me about that is what do we know about chametz? What does the scripture teach us about chametz? It's, it's a picture of sin, a picture of pride because it puffs up, right? So if that's true, then why all of a sudden do we are we commanded to bring chametz as an offering? Why are we bringing something that is has a bad rep? That right, something that is representative of pride. Why do we bring that before Hashem? And and it's connected. You know, obviously Shavuot is connected with Pesach because of the fifty days, right? So there's this bridge of the counting of the Omer. And if you understand the themes of the counting of the Omer and what that's all connected to, it's, it's, it's a picture of us making Aliyah to the mountain, if, as it were, right? And we've left Egypt. We're physically free. But when we left Egypt, we still had a lot of slave mentality, right? A lot of baggage. A lot of baggage. And for 50 days, we're schlepping through the wilderness, and we get hungry, and we get thirsty, and we're hot, and we're tired, and we have all these trials and tests and whatever. But the idea is that by the time we arrive at the foot of the mountain, we've gone through this process of testing and purging and trials and period of introspection. And so we leave Egypt physically free, but still mentally slave mentality and hopefully we arrived at the foot of the mountain and what did it say? We were in one accord we were a perfect unity Mm -hmm. as a community we were ready to receive the revelation from God because we were making this steady progression up. We were making Aliyah right? And when you connect that concept 
to barley at, at Passover and wheat at Shavuot, right? Which is the preferred grain? Which would you rather have? Would you rather have a barley loaf or a wheat loaf? <laughs> a barley loaf or a wheat loaf. <laughs> right? Barley is a much more coarse grain, etc. It was really, really a deal for livestock. Yeah, you're feeding the horses. But, you know, and it was a, considered a humble grain, etc., right? Which is a, which is fitting for Pesach, okay? We arrive at um, Shavuot, and now the wheat harvest is ready, right? What is wheat always pictured as in, in, in the scripture? What, what do we separate? We separate what from what? Wheat and the chaff. Okay, and the wheat, and that's a picture of what? So the wheat represents? Zadokim. Zadokim, the right one, that's right. Yeah, the wheat and the tares. Right, the wheat and the tares, that's right. So wheat is likened to Zadokim, Right, and we arrive at Shavuot if we've gone, if we've counted the Omer and we've gone through this period of introspection, then we left Egypt kind of like bar. We're rough around the edge, a little coarse, we're, you know. Yeah. But we arrive at Shavuot, and now we are hopefully refined wheat, fine flour, and now. We wave the wheat with leaven. Okay, but it can't be... It, now the leaven can't be sin because we know sin can't come before a holy God. Yeah. So what is the pride? I believe the answer is in Jeremiah 9, 23, where it says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. But let... Let him boast in this, the Lord. Amen. And so the Zadik, when he come, when the Zadik as pictured in this wheat loaf that's waved before Hashem, if he has gone through this process and he truly is a Zadik, then he knows the only thing I'm nothing except with Hashem, right? Mm-hmm. The only boast, the only pride I'm allowed. Is the boast, boast in Hashem? It's exactly repulsive, and that is why we bring leaven before Hashem mm-hmm. only on Shavuot, and that's the only time it's ever permitted. Permitted. Very cool. Very cool. How many thinks that's cool? More on the, the, the drastic level. If you look in in the text, mysticism on 20, <laughs> chapter twenty three, verse seventeen in Hebrew. There's a a um, a, a bolded olive with a doggish kind of peeking out in the middle. When it says, Mivush, um, sorry, Mivush Tevachem, from your houses, Tavihu Lechem, Tavihu, you shall bring bread, Lechem. And Tavihu is spelt as the, the olive that's, that's, that's bolded. And I think it's, it's funny, so you shall take, or you shall bring. And the, the emphasis is, is on the olive. And, and if you understand, again, Pride, which is what you know, the, the this this lechem has um, is chamestek. It's 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 chamestek. Chamestek. I, I don't think that's a word, but it's it, cool. It is a word. Really? Chamestek. <laughs> really? Chamestek is something that's got leaven in it. It's right. it is not fit for Passover. Right, right, right. So, chamestek. So this is chamestek bread. It's got a a, a a hint of pride in it. 
like the, the, the letter Aleph. What is right. the strength? It's the, the first letter yeah. of, the, of the alphabet. However, we know that the Torah doesn't start with, with an Aleph. Mm-hmm. So is it that the what should be the rightful and proud letter that should be the first is kind of humbled in the sense it's placed here. It's bolded and it's almost it's almost as if you know that letter that also symbolizes connection. You know, it's a it's a, a vav to you, right? So that's placed here in in a sense. Uh, and, and the connection of in the middle of, of, of the feast, it's, it's in the summer, it's kind of scattered out, and the whole idea is you're approaching it and humbling yourself mm. and, and using your, what, you know, from your dwelling places, you shall bring your your chametztek bread. So everyone's got that chametz somewhere, and it's, it's mm. the process of transforming it and eventually using that, like, like my dad said, uh, and as a way of acknowledging, I'm I'm a sinner, and I'm going to you know, take these challenges that God's uh, given me, and thank Him for giving those to me. That's how I overcome. That's how I grow. And in that process, is, is how a Sadiq really reaches that you know, that that level of receiving mm-hmm. re- revelation. I like that. brother. So we had a, a literal interpretation. We had a mystical that's interpretation. Yeah. That's that's very very good. And we Thank you. Word. Thank you both. Yeah, come ask them. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Who knows? All right, Joshua chapter five. If you've uh, if you want a really good um, discussion on how to count and when to count, TorahResource.com. Tim's got a great paper. Um, but uh, he he hasn't convinced everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the. Um, he, he references the writings of the sages who found the answer to where to count outside the Torah. So the Sadducees didn't like this answer because it was outside the Torah. But in Joshua chapter 5, as uh, Greg already uh, brought our attention to, you can't eat the fruit of the land until after um, you've brought that offering. So we're looking at um, verse 10. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover. When did they keep the Passover? On the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. You can't do that unless you have brought the offering. And they brought the offering on the day after Passover. So that would be the 16th. And therefore, you start counting on that day because they brought the offering on that day. If you do it that way, that's the way the Pharisees counted it. And you end up with six Sivan every time. That's, I, I think that's a good... That works for me. That, yeah, that works really well. I guess that I was just seeing this whole, like... Don't eat either bread or parched grain or any of the grain until the day that you bring the offering. So I guess I just how did how does that fit in? Like, don't do that until you do the offering, and this offering is in the beginning of. A yeah, well, they bread. would tie the entire ribbon around all the, the, those first fruits. Those the, those are the ones that they would gather up. So it's like they would have the we, big we're not touching that until this time. You're not going to eat from that crop until that you, crop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's exactly that's right. the okay. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, uh, there's, there's a big sermon you can read about that. Ederson's got a good deal on uh, in uh, some of his temple books, um, where you know they would have the grain all marked out, and it was all 
gathered like that and the priest that makes this big deal about coming out with the thing and he says I am about to read the first fruit you know. he says yes we see that you're on the earth you know and then they go in and, you know. and it, it really sounded a lot like that <laughs> that makes sense for the last portion where we were talking about not mixing seed and mm-hmm. crops mm-hmm. it makes sense that you need that commandment so that you wouldn't confuse these things yeah exactly right. Otherwise, you know, who knows what's going on. Okay, so back to uh, back to first fruits. What's the command that we're keeping now every day and what's the purpose? We're counting the owner. Every day. Why? Because he said so is a good answer, but it's not the answer I'm looking for. What's that? God told us to. Yeah, God told us to. Yeah. What What does it help us do? Prepare. Prepare. Make the days count. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Make the days count. That's good. How about How about keeping it connected to to Passover, right? Mm-hmm. To remember the redemption as we're on our way to the mountain to get the Torah, right? To remember from whence we came. I mean, we were going back to, you know, James again, right? The, the whole perfect Torah and the mirror and all that. Remember, and here we go, and now I'm going to give you my commandments by which to live that will make you sanctified. They will set you apart. They will make you different, and so forth. And he'll be blessed. And there's a tradition in Chazal that says the manna in the wilderness started falling on Lagoma, mm. which is, yeah. It was two days ago, uh, the 33rd day of the Omer, um, which is kind of, there's some other cool things that they associate with Lock Omer uh, that's kind of kind of interesting, but the, the, the one drosh that's kind of cool, because, you know, me, I like Camadre, right? So, is, again, kind of going back to this concept of we arrive at the mountain and hopefully we've we, our hearts are prepared, and they use the term lev tov, right? Good heart. Good heart, yeah. And lev has a gematria of 32. Tov has a gematria of 17, the sum of which is 49, because we count 49 days. Seven sevens. Right? Uh, so the 33rd day of the Omer, Lag Omer, is the first day of the 17th. So, the, the, so the, the, the idea is that the the first 32 days, you know, you get two-thirds through the counting of the armor, and there's this this introspection and, and testing, and, and the first day of the last third, of the last 17 days, you, there's like a turning point, and the fruit of all of that s- starts to take shape, and mm-hmm. of course, by the time we arrive at the mountain and we're ready to receive a revelation, then we, we hopefully arrive at Lev Tov. Right. But they connect the gematria to the 49. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. That is cool. Um, we're, we're counting seven sevens, right? And that's that's really how the text puts it, right? You're counting seven sevens, seven sevens. Um, and the next day, the 50th day, is Shavuot. Do you know it's the same it's the same kind of counting that Daniel has? In Daniel chapter 9, you have seven sevens, right? So, anyways, that's, uh, that's the deal. One of the things that the sages were saying about not having a sacrifice be killed before the eighth day after it's born 
was tying back to circumcision and the fact that like every living thing needs to experience a Sabbath. Because you would always experience a Sabbath if you waited eight days. And so and I thought that was so that was so neat to to bring that up because I never really thought of it that way for it being eight days. Yeah. Uh, what what's the word for tabernacle? The other word. Oh, hell Moed, right? What's that mean? Tent of meeting. Tent of meeting or tent of appointment. It's a place of appointment. And Leviticus chapter 23 gives us the Moedim, the times of appointments. So we have the time and the place. We lost the place. We still have the times. We still have the times. And we will have that place again when he comes and reigns. Hallelujah. Final comments before we read the Kirk uh, Abo. Yes, sir. I had two small things that I saw uh, in the instance where the blasphemer was stoned and how it talks about how, the, how he was going to be cut off for the bla- for blaspheming. Um, it's really interesting that I noticed that his name is not mentioned. It men- goes out of the way to mention his mother's name and um, it says um, his mother's name was Shalom- Shalomit. Uh, the daughter of Debri, the Danite, and it goes down to the tribe and you know and everything like that. But it's it's like his name was intentionally blotted out because he's been cut off. Mm-hmm. And then as we near the end of that, that's chapter that's uh, chapter twenty four. Uh, the instance happens in ten. As we near the end of that, in verse twenty two, we have the second occurrence of the the phrase "You are to have the same law for the alien or sojourner." Uh, and the native born, I am the Lord your God. Um, One of my favorite verses. Absolutely. And so I, I, that's the second occurrence that we've seen thus far in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Anything else? Okay. If you need a sitter, um, we will pass them out to you. We will be reading chapter 5 of the Pirkei Avot. We have plenty. We have
who will not be afflicted on this very day will be cut off from his people. Now, the word therefore afflict. Yes. Was that a how? No. Um, ah, the word, the the main that, like letters of the source here, the main letters of the root are the ein and the nun. Which, if you go back up to the um, <laughs> if we go back up to the command to not reap the corners of the garden, the corners of the field, right. leave them for the poor and the orphan. That the word there for poor is ani, which is an ein, a nun, and a yud. So a fruit here really has the same as poor. It's the same meaning as poor. Same, so oppressed. Right, oppressed, poor. Now, what's kind of cool about that is the opposite end, blessed, right? Right, blesses manifest in you. So the word for, for bless is ashray, which actually also is the same word used for wealth. The same letters, the alif, shin, and the resh. So there's an inverse. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now, think about, so we have poor is afflicted, rich is wealth. Like that's just the, that's the word that goes, the words that go with each. Matthew 5. Mm. How does Yeshua begin? The very first thing he said in his Sermon on the Mount, so it's called. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Ashrei. And then the Dila Chibur Gospels. I don't remember the exact phrase in Hebrew, but it's the ashrei. Look it up, yeah. And the word for the poor there is ani again. So Yeshua's doing something really cool there. It's not just like blessed the poor in spirit, but he's saying wealthy are the afflicted in spirit. Very cool. Very cool. I like it. Can you can you give us the ashrei aniyah halulach? Not too much. Don't go overboard with it. Yeah. That is that was that was worth waiting for. Of course, the tradition not to wear leather and jewelry or carry money. That's all where that comes from. Yeah. On yeah. That you're oppressed. Yes. Cool. All right. We'll, uh, we will read around, and uh, after each one, we'll uh, just pontificate and see if anything's cool there. All right? So, you see five, five. Or are you looking at base? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to start us off? Mary, can you start us off there? Sure. I don't know what page we're on. 571. 571. Pirkei Avot, chapter 5, because this is the fifth week. All Israel has a share in the world to come, as it is said, and your people are all righteous, they shall all inherit the land forever. They are the branch of my planting, my handiwork, in which to take pride. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, next. You're up. Okay. <clears throat> With ten utterances, the world was created. What does this to come to teach us? Indeed, could it not have been created with one utterance? 
This is to exact punishment from the wicked, who destroyed the world that was created with ten utterances, and to bestow goodly reward upon the righteous who sustained the world that was created with ten utterances. Yeah, the first uh, three chapters of the Pirkei Avot are just precious gems from the uh, the five zugot, the five pairs in charge of the Sanhedrin right before the master, uh, the master's birth. And then, uh, of course, the last pair, Halal and Shammai, um, the, the master started his ministry right after Shammai died. So it's uh, pretty noteworthy in my mind. Anyway, um, so we've got the first chapter is those guys, and then the second chapter we start talking about the, the sages of Israel that were during the master's day, and then right after. And there's some really cool words to live by. Chapter 5, <laughs> you know, we start to get into the, what I would call the mystical weirdness of the sages, and, you know, sometimes it's just really weird. Sometimes there's a, there's a nugget there that you could take, and, you know, I, I, could, I could write that down. So anybody want to talk about that? Where are the ten words coming from? Genesis. Ten utterances. What? Where in Genesis? Chapter 1 through 2, 18. That's what the footnote said. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Okay, good, good, good. So we've got these ten utterances that God makes and creates the world and in order to make the wicked. I think it makes more sense when you read the second. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. You want to read the next one? Okay. There were ten generations from Adam to Noah to show the decree of his patience for all those generations angered him increasingly until he brought upon them the waters of the flood. Hmm. And then uh, the next one is, uh, I think, as good. You can imagine. There were ten generations from Noah to Abraham, and to show the degree of his patience for all those generations angered him increasingly until our forefather Abraham came and received the reward of all of them all. So we've got this sequencing, and now, as jo- Jonathan said, it makes the, the first um, paragraph make just a little bit more, a little bit more sense. Think of the next one. Our forefather Abraham was tested with ten trials, and he withstood them all to show the degree of our forefather Abraham's love for God. Does anybody have a Tanakh that's got the ten trials in it? No, because well, there's debate among the rabbis. There yeah, sure is, but we still can, you know, we still can come up with ten. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it really is an amazing list that yeah. only they could come up with. I mean, it's, it's astonishing. Okay. All right. Next, ten miracles. Ten miracles are performed for our ancestors in Egypt, and ten at the sea. Ten plagues to the Holy One, blessed is He. Bring upon the Egyptians in Egypt, and ten at the sea. Your stops there. Mine, mine puts the, the next part. Yeah, pass it. Yeah, pass it. Yeah, pass it. Yeah. Pass. Pass. Yeah. Pass. Pass. With ten trials that our ancestors test the Holy One, blessed is He, in the wilderness, as it is said, they have tested me these ten times and did not keep my words. So, does anybody have those? Or should I start? Get out my my tonight. 
Let's see, the diagram of the three-finger fistful. No, 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 that's not it. Yeah. Impact of the plagues, diagram of chronology. Yeah, but that won't that, that won't list them out for you. I just don't think I'm going to be able to. 443. Hang on one second. Let me see if I can find the oh, C, C footnote to R scroll. Bear sheet check. Oh, that's, no. that's the actual commentary. Okay, I've got three of them. <laughs> Okay, that's it, the three of them. Uh, no water, no meat, and no water again. So that's uh, in the rebuke, but that's, that's not... Ah, it's a shame. We can, we'll, we'll find them as we read through the Torah. But um, it is, uh, I think, a testimony of how much time these guys spend in the Word of God to come up with um, these ten utterances, ten generations, ten miracles and then uh, 10 tests. I mean, somebody's sitting there doing a lot of counting and listing, and um, I think I'm reminded of when we first start studying the, the Bible, one of the best things you could do is just make lists in the text that you're studying. It's a, it's a cool deal. All right, well, let's move forward and see what we got. Greg? 10 miracles were performed for our ancestors in the Holy Temple. No woman miscarried because of the aroma of the sacrificial meat. The sacrificial meat never became putrid. No fly was seen in the place where the meat was butchered. Now that's no, a miracle. No seminal emission occurred to the high priest on Yom Kippur. The rains did not extinguish the fire on the altar pyre. The wind did not disperse the vertical column of, the, of smoke from the altar. No disqualification was found in the omer or in the two loaves or in the showbread. The people stood crowded together, yet prostrated themselves in ample space. Neither serpent nor scorpion ever caused injury in Jerusalem, nor did any man say to his fellow, the space is insufficient for me to stay overnight in Jerusalem. That's cool. I, I just think it's cool, you know, that uh, they, they see God working in their midst to do some, some cool deals. I, I, was, I actually wondered when we came across... Leviticus 16 and the whole Yom Kippur deal. I was wondering, like, that guy can't help. I mean, whether or not well, that's they, going to. I mean, if you read to tell them, but they they keep him up all night. Yeah. They won't let him go to sleep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that would work. Oh yeah. yeah. You yeah. can imagine being 65 years old, no <laughs> yourself, no sleep. That's right. That's right. Uh, change your clothes like nine right. times, make again. Times. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. That's. Uh, I, I almost think that the, the part here, neither serpent nor nor scorpion ever caused injury in Jerusalem. And that's, to, to me, that's almost more extraordinary. Because you look, it's a desert. I mean, yeah. it's the Judean desert. And I... It, that's where these things live. If you've been there, I've seen some before. It's kind of freaky because they're the, the, the small kind of golden ones. And you know, it's just one little... Mm-hmm. Beep, boop, you're out for a while. That's it, so yeah. That's, that's incredible. All right. This... Uh, 
The next one is uh, is cool. Do we get, do we get to the tongues in this in this week? Uh, yeah, this yes. is it. This is the tongues. Yes. I mean, this makes sense. Go ahead, Johnny. Give us this. Ten things were created on Arab Shabbat at twilight. They are the mouth of the earth, the mouth of the well, the mouth of the donkey, the rainbow, which was Noah's sign that there would be no future floods, the manna, the staff, the shamir worm, the script, the inscription, and the tablets. Some say also destructive spirits, Moses' grave, and the ram of our forefather Avraham. And some also say tongs, which are made of tongs. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is that? Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking the sages had a lot of wine that afternoon, <laughs> and it turned out uh, well. All right, so um, mouth of the earth. What's that a reference to? Korak. Swallowing up Korak. If I'm, if if Aaron's the guy, and I'm the guy, then these guys will die a death that is not natural. The ground will open up and swallow them, and alive they will go down to Sheol. Big deal. Korak didn't do well that day. Not so much. Uh, the mouth of the well. What's it a reference to? Sure. <laughs> it is no question. But the first one, Miriam's well, and and then of course Yeshua. Uh, he is that water, and he's the one that went with them. The mouth of the donkey. Sure. There it is. Right? The concealed light. I like that. Kind of cool. I like that, yeah. Um, a reference to Balaam and, uh, you know, the, uh, the talking and all of that. But the mouth, sure, good. Rainbow, manna. Sure. Yeshua, again, he is the bread that came down from staff. heaven. It's a staff, right? Yeah, it's Yeshua. Uh, now, the Shamir worm. That's, that's the cool thing that Shlomo used to... to Quarry the the rocks before Bray's temple. It's the worm that eats through um, stone and marble and and, really? and, and grain and whatnot. Yeah. So and apparently because he's so wise and there was an amazing uh, he herded worms exactly and, and, and somehow God deserves use them to quarry big chunks of stone. Huh. Yeah. That's how they made those pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? The Shamir worm. Okay. What's the writing? The script. What, what, did, what did the sages say in, in the mystical way about Moses bringing down these stone tablets with the writings of the, the ten words on them? What, what did they say? They suspended themselves. That they suspended themselves and that they, they weighed nothing, right? And when the people sinned, the letters flew off, it became heavy, and down the stones went and were smashed. So the script itself is uh, is the very word of God, and and therefore uh, has some kind of uh, life to it. Well, if if the words can come to life, the living word of God, that truly is Yeshua. But mine has the writing and then the inscription. So what's the difference between the writing and the inscription? Is one the script that's being used, and one is what is written? Yeah, I think the the script is the alphabet. The um, inscription is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what I have. But that says the inscription, the word, written words of the Ten Commandments, which were miraculously written on both their sides. Oh, that's right. Forty-two. Both sides of the of the stone, and you could see through it or something like that. And <laughs> well, I mean, if it's done with the you know the finger of God, so I guess he could do anything. So. And the tablets of the Ten Commandments. 
All right, let's move on. Okay. Jonathan, you're up. Seven traits characterize an uncultivated person, and yep. seven. So we need to make a list. Okay. 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 And seven, a learned one. A learned person does not begin speaking before one who is greater than he in wisdom or in years. He does not interrupt the words of his fellow. Which means he's not from New York. <laughs> he does not answer impetuously. He questions with relevance to the subject, and he replies accurately. He discusses first things and last th and last things last. Mm -hmm. Sorry, first things first and last things last. About something he has not learned, he uh, not heard. He says, "I have not heard," and he acknowledges the truth. And the reverse of these characteristics of these characterize an uncultivated person. All right, well, let's walk through these here and see how we all do. Does not speak before one who is greater than him in wisdom or age. What does this demand? Respect. 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 And that we recognize that there are elders. Right? The, the, the lie that we hear in, in the public school system, the lie that we hear in the, in the uh, mainstream media, that we're all equal. We're all the same. You know, I, there were kids in my school when I went to school that got left back because they just couldn't cut it. And the best thing to do for them was to leave them back a year so they had more time to pick it up. That's not a bad thing. We're not all the same. If we're all forced to be the same, then you don't have wise ones. You don't have elders and so forth. He does not interrupt his fellow's words. We're just going to skip past that because I don't think it's really wise anyway. Um, he does not hasten to answer. What? That's right. That's right. From New York. Um, he does not hasten to answer. What's that about? What word? That's right out of the scripture. Right? Be slow to speak and quick to, to listen, right? Okay. So, what does the scripture say about the fool? He answers a matter before he hears it. Right? His questions are on the subject and his answers to the point, is the way my version put it. Answers on the subject. So, let's see, what do my kids say? You ask me what time it is, I'll tell you how to build a watch. The history yeah. of time. The history of time, that's what it is. Yeah. But that is the subject, really. <laughs> Response to first things first and to latter things later. I don't understand that. Talk to me. What is that about? Order of operations, I guess. And how do I work? Prioritization. Prioritize. If I'm going to explain something, I, can, I, don't, I don't start with the punchline. You know, there's a process that uh, of the logical sequence that should be, you know. Would you say that if I tell you that Jesus has saved you from your sins before I tell you how sin is measured, or that there is a consequence to disobedience to a holy creator, then I might not be giving you first things first. I may actually be giving you last things first. Quite possibly. Hmm. So this maybe this speaks to the normal um, presentation of the gospel, for example, professional Christendom. You have no business studying Talmud if you haven't gotten gained proficiency in Torah things. Good. Excellent. First things first. Exactly. Good. Concerning what he did not hear, he says, I did not hear. 
That's that's a, that's that's really good. That's one thing that it is really good. Humility. Mm-hmm. It's not only humility. It'll save you some embarrassment. It sure will. <laughs> I mean, when you open your mouth to talk about something and you really don't know what you're talking about, sooner or later, you're going to step up. You know, it's bad. In a multitude of words, there is many much falling. That's right. That's right. There's a another sage, although he's not Jewish. Abraham Lincoln once said. Yeah, it's very good to say this accurately. Um, better to be silent and thought of a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. Yes, sir. <laughs> I think he was reading the sages when he came. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, he concedes to the truth. Have you ever presented a fabulous argument from the scripture, demonstrating beyond doubt? that Yeshua, in order to be the sinless Lamb of God, absolutely had to keep all of the commandments. And therefore, had to eat kosher. Or zitzi. And I go on and on. You've made this excellent argument and proven that if you deny this, you've denied your own Messiah is worthy to be the Messiah. And they reject the argument. Because they're more interested in being right than knowing the truth. Amen. Okay. Greg? Uh, Let's see here. Seven kinds of punishment come to the world for seven kinds of transgressions. A. If some people tithe and others do not, a famine caused by lack of rain ensues. Some go hungry, hungry and others are satisfied. B, if all decided not to tithe, general famine caused by both armed bands and drought ensues. And C, if they also decided not to separate the challah, a famine caused by destructive drought ensues. You want me to read all seven or you want me to stop there? Well, let's stop and talk about that one first. So do you think that, we talked about this and I hope you get the answer now, um, do you think that your righteousness, your acts of righteousness, affect others? Yes. Is that unanimous? Or should we argue that? Do you think that your acts of sin affect others? Yes. yes. Is it only in your immediate family? No. So, if God is blessing our community, then we should we should thank Abby. <laughs> for her righteousness. If God chooses not to bless our community, you should blame it on me because I am the sinner. Does that make sense? Or does that seem odd? It does make sense. But it's not the normal stuff you hear in the church. That we need to be concerned about your walk because it's going to affect all of us. Right? What's separating the call? First portion for us. What does it mean? What do you do? You take out a little piece of the dough, right? And these days you burn it. These days you burn it, it but you use you could use that to feed a coin, To feed a coin and to start your dough the next time you can take a piece off, right? 
that wouldn't be that particular piece, but another piece, right? So you'd start your your, your dough in rising using another piece of dough. But yeah, you would you would separate that off, and it was it was considered like a tithe uh, of your challah. Good. All right, let's let's go to the next one. D. Pestilence comes to the world for the death penalties prescribed by the Torah that were not carried out by the court and for illegally using the fruits of the sabbatical year. Ah. So we talked about the first fruits, and we mark off those first fruits so that they can be brought to the temple on first fruits, and we're not supposed to eat that harvest until we've done that. And it's the same thing in the sabbatical year, right? That, that stuff's just off limits. God will provide enough in the 49th year that we may not eat, that we will eat that in the 50th year, plant in the 51st year, and still eat from the 49th year, and we'll harvest in the 52nd year, and then the 49th will run out. That's a lot of extra food in the 49th year. It's an interesting, interesting testimony on this particular point that, that I heard. Uh, this was in 2008 during the uh, last Shemitah. And, uh, Everybody know Shemitah? Seven. And the I had an opportunity to listen to an Orthodox Jew who was in the States um, because for a living he had a vineyard just south of Jerusalem in the Judean hills there. And he specialized in growing grapes and, and uh, making wine that would be used in the temple. So like he had this kind of special sort of. Let's get a great gig going. <laughs> and but he he was he in of course he's Orthodox and he's observant. And there were several other uh, orchards and vineyards around his, some owned you know by other observant people, and some owned just by secular people, whatever. But but in that particular shemitah here, you know he's not he's not cultivating, he's not, he's letting his vineyard lie, you know, rest and so forth, according to the Torah. But all the vineyards immediately around him weren't. Okay, and they were continuing to harvest. You give up a year, are you kidding? Right, exactly. So, and the reason he was in the States at the time is because I don't have anything to do. So he would, so he would go to the States and he would talk with people and stuff like that. And um, anyway, he, he gave the testimony that there was this storm really bad storm that came in and uh, and dropped uh, I think it was hail I think he said hail on the area and destroyed all of the orchards and vineyards around him but not his his <laughs> his was survived and was fine and of course he he attributed it to the fact that you know it was God blessing him because he was Honoring the God and honoring the Torah by keeping the sabbatical here, cool allowing the so it was kind of neat. New Testament it ties directly into this exactly. Idea, so and it ties into our portion with uh, you know marking off that uh, that stuff for for uh, Shavuot. Oh, is that you got any more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. E. Uh, e. The sword of war comes to the world for the delay of justice. For the perversion of justice and for interpreting the Torah decision in opposite opposition to the halakha. Hmm. 
the mind chose to put, and because of those who misinterpret the Torah. <laughs> F, wild beasts come upon the world for vain oaths and for desecration of God's name. G, exile comes to the world for idolatry, for immorality, for bloodshed, and for working the earth during the sabbatical year. Unbelievable. All right. I like uh, desecration of God's name there. So, what, what does that mean? I mean, I don't want to do it, so I assume you don't want to do it. So what does it mean to desecrate his name? Well, I think this this question is a good example that last femur is kind of exhibit A. Yeah. And then exhibit B is the, the Josh that according to God, he's placed his name on his people. Mm-hmm. And wherever you go, you're, you're representing God. And it's your responsibility to be a good represent- right, cause you, representative. You're taking his name with you. Right. I Don't think, take it right. in vain. And I think that's the way you can in, inadvertently blaspheme or how does this put desecrate the name of mm-hmm. God by mm-hmm. publicly bearing his name and then dropping the ball entirely. We were reminded of the uh, of Alexander the Great. He's in battle and a couple of soldiers uh, flee the battle and hide in the cave and the soldiers drag him out uh, bring him before Alexander and the one uh, falls to his knees and, and asks for mercy and uh, Alexander says what's your name? And the kid looks up and says Alexander sir and he, said, he looks down at the kid and says either change your name or change your behavior I want to take that name in vain Madam? Yes. At four periods of seven of the seven year sabbatical cycle, pestilence increases in the fourth year and the seventh year and the year following the sabbatical year, and annually following the Sukkot festival. In the fourth year for neglecting the tithe of the poor in the third, in the seventh year for neglecting the tithe of the poor in the sixth, and the year following the sabbatical year for violating the laws of sabbatical produce annually at the conclusion of the festival of Sukkot for robbing the poor of their gifts. So we actually see the provision that God has for the oppressed in our obedience. It's not like he's going to rain down manna to feed them. He's going to provide it through our obedience. Good. We have four types of people. There are four character types among people. One who says, my property is mine and yours is yours, is an average character type. But some say this is, char- this is characteristic of Sodom. Mine is yours and yours is mine, is an unlearned person. Mine is yours and yours is yours, is scrupulously pious. Yours is mine and mine is mine, is wicked. <coughs> what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours, is a pious person. The Hebrew word is chasid, where we get the chasidim, or the Hasidic folk. Good. Four types of temperaments. There are four types of temperament. A, one who is angered easily and pacified easily. His gain is offset by his loss. B, one who is hard to anger and hard to pacify. His loss is offset by his gain. C, one who is hard... To anger and easy to pacify is pious. 
D, one who is easily angered and hard to pacify is wicked. So again, we have the chassid again, one who is difficult to anger and is easily appeased. Mm-hmm. Slow to anger, right? Is uh, in the Proverbs, and then uh, I can't remember if it's in the Proverbs or in the in the Epistles where it says that we should not keep the company keep company with an angry man. Mm-hmm. So Paul even mentions that in his big list. I think it's in Galatians. Maybe that's right. And he t- it says fits of anger. Mm-hmm. He puts that on par with. Yeah, I mean, all the other you got to have some self-control, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, four types of students. There are four types of students. A, one who grasps quickly and forgets quickly. His gain is offset by his loss. B, one who grasps slowly and forgets slowly. His loss is offset by his gain. C, one who grasps quickly and forgets slowly. This is a good portion. Or D, one who grasps slowly and forgets quickly. This is a bad portion. Hmm. I, I know I know people in all four categories. Do you? I mean, I do really. I I think I've been in all four categories. Haven't you? I mean, at, at different times of temperament in my own life, and um, my approach to the scriptures has easily fallen into all four of those categories. And now trying to read this Hebrew and you get the... Uh, <coughs> four types of contributors to charity. No glasses. Didn't you do that last week too? Yeah, I think you did. I'm trying. Alright. Did you want to borrow mine or do you want to let him read? you let him read? Right. Come on, Greg. There are four types of donors to charity. One who wishes to give himself but wants not one but wants others not to give. He begrudges others. Mm. The others should should give, but that he should not give. He begrudges himself. And he that and he should give, and that others should give. Is pious. Chassid. Mm-hmm. He should not give, and that others should not give. Is wicked. Yep. What a uh, what a great example we can be to others. And I think uh, of the master um, recognizing the Hasid. How do you say Hasid female? Hasida? Hasida. The, uh, the widow's mite. And she put in all she had. But it's still a great example. Mary? Here you are in the study hall, sweetie. among those who go to the house of study. A. One who goes but does not study has the reward for going. B. One who studies at home but does not attend the house of study has the reward for accomplishment. C. One who goes and studies is pious. D. One who goes one who does not go and does not study is wicked. I'm going to read that again out of this version because it, it, it puts a different twist on it. So see if you can pick it up. There are four types among those who attend the study hall. One who goes but does nothing has gained the rewards of going. One who does study but does not go to the study hall has gained the rewards of doing. One who goes and does is a chassid. One who neither goes nor does is wicked. I just think it's interesting that 
um, this version chose to put doing instead of studying, right? Because just studying it is good. That's what you do in a study hall. But doing it, walking it out. supposed to be pagan studying or just learning something. Exactly, exactly. I think I skipped you, so go ahead and do the next one. Um, there are four types. Um, there are four types among students who sit before the sages: a sponge, a funnel, a strainer, and a sieve. A sponge which absorbs everything. A funnel which lets in from one end and lets out from the other. A strainer which lets the wine flow through and retains the sediment. And a sieve which allows the flour dust to pass through and retains the fine flour. Now, I honestly got this one wrong two years in a row. Did you, did you do that too? You know, you think, oh, yeah, that's what I want. I want to be the sponge, but yeah, I'm the sponge. Yeah. So, which one is the which one's the one you want to be? The sieve. Why? You want the fine flour. You want the fine flour. Let all of that crud pass through, right? No matter who you're learning from, there's always going to be stuff that just needs to pass on through. With the sponge, you're also soaking it all up, but we're responsible for sharing what we've learned. That's a that's a mitzvah. Okay, good. Nobody ever. Good. So you're not. It's just not only that you're getting the, the information, right. it's for share. Like so it's, it's not nice. just getting the good and the bad, yeah. but holding on to all of it and not, not sharing it. I like that. That's good. Good. Okay. Any love that is dependent on something, when the thing ceases, the love also ceases. But a love that does not depend on anything never ceases. What is an example of a love that is dependent on something? The love of Amnon for Tamar. And one that is not dependent on anything, the love of David and Jonathan. Also heard the love of a mother for her child yeah. is the best demonstration of true love because the children can't do anything to repay you for all of this work. That That's you're right. Doing. That's right. Until they're older and come back and take care of you and <laughs> cook for you. And I've actually done a little bit of in-depth joshing um, on this for obvious reasons, seeing how my name is here. And it's really, really cool. Yonatan is actually spelled two different ways in the book of Samuel. Um, it's Yonatan, and then it's also Yehonatan, and it has a, a yod hey um, in, in different places. And it's interesting to see when the, act, the, the added hey is inserted in the name is when there's a uh, an expression of unconditional love. Example, when David is and and Jonathan are um, are saddened by the fact that Shaul is uh, vehemently opposed of their friendship, and Jonathan, who should who should be just a, 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 if you look at it from a man's point of view, he's the rival for the throne. Uh, it, he would be next in line to inherit the throne of his father, but David is obviously God's anointed, and he knows that, and. Uh, David is quickly surpassing him in, in, in bouts of fame and of victories in war, but regardless... In God's favor. Exactly. Jonathan still loves and has that very, very deep connection. And it's, it's funny because I actually um, had a very liberal person try to tell me that this is a, an example of homosexuality. Of course. Because, because of the way it says that they, 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 they loved each other 
uh, like no other man had loved, and uh, the, the love was uh, connected at the soul or something like that. But it, it, but that's the that's the actually one of the occurrences where Yehonatan, the first two letters of the te- te- uh, Tetragrammaton, mm. are in- added in the name. It's, it's showing unconditional love, uh, which I think is just a beautiful picture of Yeshua as well. I mean that that is the expression of unconditional love entirely, and and see that amongst, amongst two individuals that should have been arch enemies. Um, by you know, by all rights, but they were the exact opposite. Yeah, in the long run. So very cool. Yes, sir. and just to dovetail onto that, it's fitting that it's the hay that that gets added, um, because the hay is uh, is a representative of the ruach, because the only letter in the alphabet that has the exhale as right. as, as like the breath. Of God, right? Mm-hmm. So it's likened to the ruach. So it's as if the unconditional love comes by by the spirit of God. Huh. You know, and when you tie that back to Abram becomes Abraham as we insert this, the hay, huh. the spirit of God. Sarai becomes Sarah because we insert the hay. Huh. She's filled with the spirit of God. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And Eliakim loses his hay. Five times, is that right? Yeah. Is, it, is it a hay or is it bob? It's a bob. It's a bob. It's a bob. It's a bob. Didn't uh, Joshua, didn't he get yeah. one oh, yeah. added to Yes. Joshua and Yehoshua, right? That's very cool. It's very mystical, but I like. Well, I like it a lot better than the liberal ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. All right, who are we up to? Adrian? Was this you on a dispute for the sake of heaven? Any dispute that is for the sake of heaven will have a constructive outcome, but one that is not for the sake of heaven will not have a constructive outcome. What sort of dispute was for the sake of heaven? The dispute between Hillel and Shemar, and which was not for the sake of heaven, the dispute of Quran and the entire country, and his entire country. Wow. That's cool. So what did what did uh, what did Shemai argue about? Everything. Halakha. <laughs> <laughs> Treatment of the Gentiles. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're arguing about things that matter, right? How do we walk out our faith? What do we do? Mm-hmm. You know. What did Karak argue about? Who should be in charge? Who should be in charge? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that'll yeah. change your life. Yeah. He should be in charge. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Gabby. Whoever influences the masses to become meritorious shall not be the cause of sin. But one who influences the masses to sin will not be given the means to repent. Ouch. Moses was meritorious and influenced the masses to be meritorious. So the merit of the masses was to his credit. As it is said, he performed the righteousness of Adonai and his laws together with Israel. Is that right? Jeroboam bin Nabat sinned and caused the masses to sin. So the sin of the masses is charged against him, and it is said, and it is said, for the sins of Jeroboam which he committed and which he caused Israel to commit. Who's Jeroboam? Who's the other guy? Which one was the rightful heir to the throne? Rehoboam. Who was Rehoboam? Son of Solomon. Solomon. 
So we're right over here, right? In our timeline. So if I want you to turn to the story of the golden calf, how many different places in the Bible could you go? How many golden calves did we have? Three. We had three golden calves, not one. There was one here. Big mistake. Little problem there. In the in the at the base of the mountain, right? And then we had and then we had uh, with Rehobo- with Jeroboam. He didn't want the people to go down from his territory in the north down to Jerusalem. In economic boy. Yeah. No, 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 you don't need to go down there. No, baptize in here. You can worship here. And he set up high places and put a golden calf. One up in Dan and one in uh, Bethel, as I recall. And I think we sat at the one with Dan, right? Didn't we walk into all kinds of jungle type stuff? And then we yeah. kind of, you know, and then they get the bleachers there. Oh, yeah, this is where we had it, next to the bleachers. That's where I would, that's where I would put my golden calf next to the bleachers. So it'll be good. Yeah. But didn't they have like the, just the frame of where the. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the place I'm talking about. And you have bleachers right there to look at the frame, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Little Josh. It's a good time. All right. I think we're almost done. Who's, uh, I think, who's, you ready? Take a break. Whoever has the following three traits is among disciples to our forefather Abraham. And whoever has three different traits is among the disciples of the wicked Balaam. Those who have a good eye, a humble spirit, and a meek soul are among the disciples of our forefather Abraham. Those who have an evil eye, an arrogant spirit, and a greedy soul are among the disciples of the wicked Balaam. How are the disciples of our forefather Abraham different from the disciples of the wicked Balaam? The disciples of our forefather Abraham enjoy the fruits of their good deeds in this world and inherit the world to come, as it is said, to cause those who love me to inherit an everlasting possession, the world to come, and I will fill their storehouses in this world. But the disciples of the wicked Balaam inherit Gehinnom and descend into the well of destruction, as it is said, and you, O God, shall lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for me, I will trust in you. What is an evil eye? Greed. A stingy man, a greedy man. Yeah. So if you've got a good eye, you tend to be generous. Generous and hospitable. What is a... Um, What's the second one you got? A meek spirit? Is that what you guys said? Humble spirit. So what, what kind of spirit? Humble. humble spirit? What's a humble spirit? So what, what's, a, what's the third one you got there? I have humble soul for the third one. You have meek, meek soul. soul. Okay, so I have, I have meek spirit and humble soul. You have humble spirit and meek soul. So... But they're interchangeable. But they're interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so... Uh, what are those traits? What, what are they? Or uh, perhaps you can get the answer by looking at the opposites, the uh, haughty spirit, and I have a gross soul. So what's the deal? What are we talking about? This is attitudinal, I think, yes? Yes. Right, so we've got a person who's generous and humble, and submissive. 
Okay. To Submission maybe to God. Self yeah. right? Always. Oh, sorry? Self-sacrificing and willing to give up himself. Okay, good. You know, we read in the beginning of the Pirkei about, you know, the guy, you know, opens his home all the time and, you know, uh, sits at the feet of, of wise men and, you know, is so comfortable to learning. Selfless, Selfless kind of man. Right. So so the opposite. Yes. You got a greedy guy. Balaam is a perfect example. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And hoarding to himself, not wanting to give out. Okay. Okay. I'm on 20. Yeah. Gregory? Yeah, whatever number. Yehuda ben Tema said, Be bold as a leopard, light as an eagle, swift as a deer, and strong as a lion to carry out the will of your Father in heaven. So it's not float like a butterfly. It's not how like a great skeleton and a punch of Ali. Yeah. Okay, so bold. Bold as a leopard, light as an eagle, fleeting as a deer, and mighty as a lion, to do the will of your Father in heaven. So, what's what's what, what's what's this sage saying? What's what's this all about? Give everything you've got. Go quickly. So, so this is like the chariots of fire. Just what's? I mean, he could have said it another way. Why did why did Judah, the son of Tamar, say it this way? Obviously, guy who's outside a lot, you know. Yeah, the same wonder. <laughs> right, or he's visiting the zoo on a regular basis. Yeah. So, bold as a leopard. So you're you're ready to you're ready to talk about your faith. Say, right? Can a leopard change his spots? Shit, really? I mean, come on, right? You're standing there, you're true to what you are. I like it. Good. Um, light as an eagle. Will lift us up on wings like eagles. Right. Good. So we've he's uh, perhaps filled with the spirit or being guided by God. How about fleeting as a deer? I will set you on on high places or something like that. You you will feast on the high of the world. Good. Okay. Um, mighty as a lion to do the will of your father. Although swift as a deer, as it pertains to carrying out the will of our father. I mean that as not delaying. As, well, no, as being quick. Yeah, yeah. run to quickly to perform even a small minor to be obedient. Yeah. Quick to perform the commandment. Quick to carry out whatever it is mm. he's told you to mm. do. Okay, cool. So, so this is the guy who's the fences. This, yeah, this <laughs> yes. is the guy who's putting in the first nail in his sukkah. Yes. As yeah. soon yeah. as Yom Kippur is over, before he's you break it fast, as a swift as a hind. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I get you. Even on minor mitzvahs, what they just say. Good, good. All right. Johnny gives the next one there. Uh, um, he would also say, he used to say, the brazen goes to Gehenna, but the shamefaced goes to the Gan Edan. May it be your will, Adonai, our God, and the God of our forefathers, that the holy temple be rebuilt speedily in our days, and grant us our share in your Torah. Amen. So when will that happen? Who who is supposed to build? Rebuild the temple. We are Messiah and us. and us and his people, Gentiles and Jews. Yeah. Good, good, good. Ben Bagbag. There we go. Coolest name. Oh. 
Oh, we're not on to, oh, to uh, is there more? Yeah. <laughs> he used to say, a five-year-old begins scripture, a ten-year-old begins oh, the Mishnah, a 13-year-old becomes obliged to observe the commandments, a 15-year-old begins the study of Gemara, an 18-year-old goes to the marriage canopy, a 21-year-old begins pursuit of, of a livelihood, a 30-year-old attains full strength, a 40-year-old attains understanding, a 50-year-old can offer counsel. A 60-year-old attains seniority. A 70-year-old a, a, a attains a ripe old age. An 80-year-old shows strength. A 90-year-old becomes stooped over. A 100-year-old is as if he were dead, passed away, and ceased from the world. <laughs> Can't wait. Must <laughs> <laughs> look forward to it. Yeah, that's right. Looking forward to it. That's the... Uh marriage canopy comes before the pursuit of a livelihood. Ah. I believe it is the opposite in this house. Yes, it sure is. Is that an argument? No? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there, boys. You'll lose. <laughs> However, if you have memorized the Torah by the time you're five, and you've already got the Mishnah down by the time you're ten, 13, you've got all the mitzvot and you've been uh, through your brit milah and studying the Talmud at 15, then yeah, we're going to let you go. But otherwise, get a job. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, it's interesting. Mine, mine put that paragraph after the Ben Ben Bag guy. So this turned out to be a Ben Ben Bag guy or Ben Bag Bag saying rather than a Judah. And there's Baba Ben Guda, which is also kind of. Yeah, well, that's next week. Um, we, we got the Ben Bagbag and the Ben Hey-Hey. They were both converts to Judaism. The symbolism of their names has been explained in different ways. It is thought they were both disciples of Hillel, which means they would be walking around in the days of the Master. I really like that um, a 50-year-old offers counsel. That To, to me, that it, it puts a good... Uh, uh, a gauge on who who should be quick to um, you know, to give advice and yeah. who should be seeking advice from. I, I I agree with you, and I also noticed that uh, that's intimated in the Berkat um, Hamazon. Uh, we ended by saying, "I was young, and now I'm old, and I can tell you, I've never seen the righteous right or the or the children forsaken." So. Um, it's almost like you, you got to get on the other side of that 50 line to, to be able to look that way. All right, what do you got? And Bachbach says, delve, delve in it, the Torah. You continue to delve in it, the Torah, for everything is in it. Look deeply into it, grow old and gray over it, and do not stir from it, for you can have no better portion than it. Ben Hehe says, the reward is the proportion to the exertion. Is in proportion to the exertion. Mine says, Ben Hehe would say, according to the pain, is the gain. <laughs> yeah, I like this one. I like this one. It's, uh, yeah. And just on that, just on the Ben Hehe thought, yeah. um, that's so true because Shabbat, for example, the level of your preparation really has a bearing on how much you get out of the Shabbat. Dramatic. Right? And it's like that with the other feast days, and it's like that with just things in, in general. That's right. But, um, so there's, 
there's a lot of wisdom in that. You bet. Obviously, the Hey Hey Meister was at least 50. Right. <laughs> on the back end here. So, we got the uh, closing paragraph. You got that, Carl? Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashia says, The Holy One, blessed is he, wished to confer merit upon Israel. Therefore, he gave them Torah and Mitzvot in abundance, as it is said. And I desired for the sake of uh, its righteousness that the Torah be made great in the world. Amen. I am uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to study with each of you. It, it really makes my Sabbath. Um, I'm looking forward to the days when we'll have the, the room filled up again with uh, all the families that are out and doing stuff so that we can uh, uh, really tear it up because we've got some, some great passages coming up in the Torah that uh, are going to be worthy of a lot of tearing up and, and studying. Closing comments before we, uh, before we call it a day here. I've got a beautiful bride and I can't wait to spend a little time with her. Anything? Anything? Going once? Twice? Visitors? Yes? Anything? I hope you'll give your our best to Tim and your community. Um, Tim promised me several years ago the next time he was on the East Coast, he would stop here and spend some time with us. He was in Atlanta. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, you know, not bitter about it at all. Just, uh, just waiting. Just waiting. So we'll see. Uh, we, we have, um, you know, a tremendous amount of respect for him and for his study and his shiny head and <laughs> cooked his hair off just thinking. It's um, we, uh, we, we regularly listen to uh, his teachings and, and use them as a guide when we're either stumped or we want to prove that we're right. So, well, no, Tim says this, well, then, you know. So that's the deal. The, uh, the FedEx man came once during our Passover Seder and actually thought it was Elijah. It was pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, you never know. Yeah. All right. Greg, would you uh, close us, please, sir? I'd be happy to. Vini Makane, we thank you that you are a good God and all good things come from you. We thank you for the honor and privilege to be able to spend uh, your Shabbat with Mishpacha, with family, with friends, with guests. Uh, we thank you for your uh, presence here as we um, pray, as we study your word. Pray that you would just continue to um, bless each of us as we finish out this Shabbat and begin a new week. That you would go with us, keep us healthy, keep us safe. Uh, we pray especially for a full, complete, and speedy recovery for Alan. That you would just um, strengthen her. And we thank you for allowing us um, to enter into your Sabbath rest a week from now, wherever we are. And we give you all the praise. Amen. Amen. Amen.